We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good? Tuesday, Lucky Lucky Podcast, Anora Boys in the building. Brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure you do so. He meant to say responsibly. We couldn't hear you, love. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we still can't hear you. No. So, Today, we're going to talk about the top three cultures in college football. The top three cultures in college football. Then we're going to talk about where Notre Dame's culture fits, the overarching culture that exists, and then the individualized culture that Marcus Freeman is trying to establish at Notre Dame. Where do they sit right now? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Lucky Lefty Podcast, YouTube channel, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. The thumbs up, smash it for us. It helps, right? Hit that notification bell. Every time we go live, you guys will know. Audio edibles each and every day. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's Lucky Lefty Podcasts. Home of the misguided passion. You already know. We spin it different. I'm waiting for Left to come back so we can get into this conversation about the top three cultures in all of college football. And I think this is going to be debatable and subjective in a way, debatable and subjective in a way. Because when you talk about culture, right, culture is something that you set, the conditions to allow something to grow, right? Something simple in our everyday household that like points to culture and even goes back to high school. Just take a loaf of bread, put it in your bread box, right? Loaf of bread, you put it in your bread box. What's going to happen? Eventually, if you don't eat it, that bread is going to mold. Why? Because of the conditions within the bread box, the moisture, all of that. It's the same thing with any type of culture. Whatever culture you set, that's inside the parameters of that culture. That's right. You can't hide what's going to grow from it. Either you can change the conditions to change the outcome, but whatever that culture is, it's going to produce what's inside of it. So that means if you have, you pointed this out, Left, you talked about it's hard to be consistent in culture because you just never know what chemistry is going to be, what team chemistry is going to be year to year. That matters and, a lot. And when you see cultures like Alabama under Saban, uh, what Kirby Smart is trying to create down in Georgia, what Andy Reid has created in Kansas City, what Bill Belichick created in New England. I don't think people understand how difficult it is to maintain that. Yeah, super tough to maintain. A lot of it is because of the fact that you have to have a consistency and values that everybody buys into. Like Dan Campbell, I think, is a short fuse because how do you buy into that over time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Dan, see, Dan Campbell has a good foundation of culture, in my opinion. But I think his culture still needs to evolve. There are some conditions of that culture that he still needs to improve. I think Dan Campbell is very at the same place that Marcus Freeman is at. Am, am I wrong in saying that? Not the same styles, but what they're trying to establish you can see the growth, you can see the improvement, but there's still some little tweaks here and there to be able to get over the hump and consistently be con considered a championship contender. I think Dan Campbell is just way more emotional than Marcus Freeman. I don't think Mar Marcus Freeman shows enough emotion, but I think Dan Campbell overshows emotion. Mm. Do you think that emotion betrayed him? 
Sunday? Yeah, when he tells you that he don't think that they'll ever be back, you can already tell his mindset was we're going for everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Iris Steele, you make a great point. I'll bring this up now because I'll probably forget if I don't with more comments coming through the chat. Harbaugh took the culture with him to San Diego. He took the defensive coordinator, strength and conditioning coach to the Chargers with him. That is, and basically, we're saying can Sharon Moore continue the culture? I think he can keep aspects of the culture, but he's not Jim Harbaugh. And see, that's the difference. It's the difference between somebody running it that established the culture and then somebody trying to come in and maintain the culture. That's a little bit more difficult. It's the same thing in Alabama, right? Nick Saban established the culture. He was the culture. Kalen DeBoer is trying to come in and continue to maintain that culture that was already established. Not saying that either one of them can't be successful at doing so. But it's a little bit more difficult when you're not the one. Yeah, because everybody's expecting a different standard that you're trying to recreate or rebrand as your own. It takes time, but it also takes winning. And that's something Saban's been in place for a long time. And Caleb Boy is just starting out as well. Yeah, I I definitely feel like Kalen DeBoer is a really good man, really good coach. You have to win one to start being considered great, in my opinion. He's a really good coach, really good coordinator of recruiting that came along with him to Alabama from what he built in Washington. Foundation of what he wants to do. The the reason that he kept the fact that he kept Ryan Williams and Jalen Mbakwe in the class, two five star athletes out of the state of Alabama. Ryan Williams considered by most as either number one, two, or three in the country in his class. That says a lot. That says a lot. And I'm sure having two first round wide receivers or two top fifty wide receivers going in the NFL draft. Probably helped the pitch with Kalen DeBoer when he brought Ryan Williams in this past weekend or t- oh, two weeks ago. Probably helped him a lot to secure him staying in that class. So I will, I'll just go ahead and do this now as left tries to get his connection fixed. The culture of Marcus Freeman and what he's trying to produce at Notre Dame, in my opinion, continues to be under review right i think that's what we could say most of us pretty much feel like okay marcus freeman your culture is has some success we see success in recruiting we see improvement in recruiting but whether or not the proof is really in the pudding we're still reviewing that we're still trying to see whether or not you're going to uh win a championship right at least succeed and exceed what the previous regime did, which was impressive because the previous regime really brought Notre Dame and the program from a dark space and a dark air, in my opinion. But I want to harken back because in order to talk about culture, you have to start at the beginning. And this is Marcus Freeman at the very beginning talking about some of those things. Excited to be back on the field, you know, after day one and, and 
I told the guys after practice I was extremely pleased. But, you know, the, it was the little things for me that I was pleased. And I was pleased I didn't see a lot of guys on the ground, you know, maybe one or two young guys. I was pleased that we didn't have any fights. And, and that's not an issue here, you know. It isn't, it's not a competitive issue. I've been at places where you try to initiate fights. Like, we got to fight. We got to see how tough and competitive we are. That's not the problem here. We have to be able to practice together under control, um, be competitive, but be under control and, and be good teammates. And it was good to see us get through a entire practice and, and you know not have to deal with any melees today. And so um, I'm excited. I love our staff. Um, it's, ex it's exciting really for me to hear them teach. That's what I really enjoy is listening to them. And, and I told them the other day in the staff meeting, like, I'm not coming into your meetings or into your drills to evaluate as much as I am to learn. I love hearing them teach. And um, they do an extremely good job of teaching. I'm excited to see what, for me, what I want to see is our players take over some of that leadership role. Our coaches right now are driving the leadership. Our coaches are pushing our players. But when your players start to push each other and hold each other accountable, that's when you know um, you've you, you got a special team. So I'm going to keep pushing our guys to continue to, to have leadership. And, and uh... I wanted to bring that clip back up because that was a clip I remembered. I was like, yo, let me go back and listen to this. That was him after like his first spring practice at Notre Dame. And by the way, the fact that he wore that 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 hoodie so far, that that Marcus Freeman collection is so far from the time he took the job. I don't know if he sat down with Jack while he's being interviewed and said, oh, when I get the gig, I need to upgrade the gear. I can't rock that BK collection. I need a Freeman Air collection. And the things he said right there, that's your coach telling you what the culture is going to be. We can get to X's and O's. We get to depth charts. We can get to recruiting. But he's saying, yo, I don't have to change certain things because at Notre Dame, Having tough kids, tough-minded kids is not a problem. Having balanced kids that respect academics, the integrity of Notre Dame, and the athletic side, that's not a problem. That culture has already been set. That is Notre Dame. See, that's what I was talking about when we began the show in my introduction, the overarching culture that's already there for any coach that comes into Notre Dame. You would be a fool to come in, see that, and then try to change it. Thinking like, yo, we need to change this. Like you said, like you had programs like, man, we have to create fights to make to find toughness, create toughness. That's not something you have to create at Notre Dame. You don't have to create toughness. But then he goes on to say, like he wants focus. He constantly talks about execution. Execution comes from practice, but not just practice, practicing it the right way. How is this play being executed in practice? Are we at a 90% efficiency? Are we at a 95% efficiency? Those are the things that allow your program to have a culture that when you walk into the see, culture, is not about being tested. Every culture is going to be tested, right? I, some, I, I forget who it was. I heard somebody because I want to give credit. The culture that Dan Campbell is creating was tested. It was tested. What he believes 
and what he's setting in place was tested in the NFC Championship game. The culture failed. So now he has to go back to the drawing board and say to himself, what do I need to change? Do I need to be more consistent? I can still be aggressive, but can I flow a little bit better? Can I pay more attention to the flow rather than just saying this is the culture and this is who we are? Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, if they win a Super Bowl, you can honestly say, listen, fans, listen to this. Listen to how incredible this is. And I hope this is going to be a byproduct of the culture that Marcus Freeman is creating. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl in a week and a half, Andy Reid will have won the Super Bowl with three different types of teams and three different ways. Just think about that. Think about that. That's the importance of culture and great culture. Great culture and what great coaches do is that they establish a culture that's not, this is the way we do it. They establish a culture by which we can win and morph into whatever team we need to be in order to beat this opponent, that opponent, or whatever challenge or test comes our way. That's great culture. That's great culture. And if they win in a week and a half with the greatest quarterback, because we can place the greatest quarterback at the top of the reasons why the Kansas City Chiefs are once again on the precipice of greatness. But if you really dial it back and take a big picture look, they are about to possibly win three Super Bowls in three different ways in the span of five years. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? They didn't have the money to have this amazing offense. Tyreek Hill leaves and goes to Miami. Tyreek Hill is an MVP candidate this season, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't like he went to Miami and all of a sudden he dropped off. He went to Miami and balled out. That's what is missing from Kansas City's first Super Bowl. They take him away. And this is where culture comes into place. Because culture is not just on the field with the players. It's just not the coaches on the sideline, which they have Hall of Fame coaches on the sideline. It goes to Brett Beach. It goes to Clark Hunt. They have to make the tough decisions to say, yo, that's another thing about great culture. Great culture empowers you to make the tough decisions and move on. It was great culture that had Brett Fitch tell Tyreek Hill, man, we want to keep you, but we cannot afford to give you this much money up front to make sure you fit within the cap. Tough decision. And since we lost all of this great offense, we're going to have to make this defense tougher. Now that we've lost Tyreek Hill, the defense has to become better. It's good, but it has to become better. And what do they go? They hit. In last year's draft, they hit on three starters for the defense. Three. And then the year before, Trent McDuffie and Carl Loftus become your best, some of your best players. So that's five defensive players that they've hit on. Great culture, man, from top to bottom. Let's be honest. At times, and you guys, let me know in the chat. Please hit me up with this. 
Not the question of the day, but it's just part of the conversation. How many of you feel like that at times Notre Dame above the field, not the coaches, not Marcus Freeman, not Brian Kelly, not the players, but Notre Dame above the field, athletic director, administration. How many of you feel that they failed the football program at certain times? I want to see your comments in the chat. How do you guys feel about that? Because there's always going to be testing points of your culture. There are, all, your culture will always be tested. And if you try to answer the test the same all the time, you're probably going to come up a little bit short. Winning is always a choice. Winning is a choice, man. It's a consistent choice. You have to choose to win every day. Dude, i never forget this. My grandfather told me this. It was literally two days before I was about to get married. And I'm sitting next to my grandfather. And he said, son, every day you wake up, you can find a reason to leave. He said, every day you wake up, you can find a reason to leave. So you're going to have to choose to stay every day. And he was talking about marriage. And he was talking about keeping your mind in a place of evolving all the time. He was telling me, you can't love your wife the same way a year from now. You have to love her, but you have to evolve. You have to improve. You have to stay romantic, right? I can't take my wife to the same, you know, certain restaurants, you know, the nostalgic that she still loves. But I can't take my wife to the same restaurants that I did when she was a teenager. As you can, we're about to celebrate 25 years coming up on April 24th. And I'm sitting here like, what in the world am I gonna get her for an anniversary gift, man? This, this has to be big. This is 25, it's the 25th. So maybe you guys can help me with gift ideas because I'm, I'm struggling at this point, man. I'm, I'm struggling. It doesn't have to be super expensive, but it has to mean something. It has to be special, right? And that's the same thing with the culture of Notre Dame. In order for Notre Dame, it's going to take a special, it's going to take a special team. It's going to take some special moments. It's going to take a special chemistry to break the streak since 88. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's going to take something special 
and everybody connected to Notre Dame from top to bottom has to be bought in. Everybody from top to bottom at Notre Dame, they have to be bought in in order for this thing to work. So I'm going to give you my top three coaches in college football. And hopefully left, he's probably driving through his own. Hopefully he'll get back on shortly. The number one culture in college football, and I understand he's no longer there. But look, man, Alabama is the number one culture in college football. It absolutely is. And it goes back to something that Marcus Freeman even spoke about in establishing the culture that he wants. He wants the culture to be player-driven. The Alabama culture is definitely player-driven. It's definitely player-driven. And there is a coexistence. This is the beautiful mind of Nick Saban and what he created. He's able to be the face and the goat of all coaches and yet still allow his players to be out front. It's a beautiful balance within that program. It really is. And he's created this almost godfather-like effect. And it's almost like he is Vito and Kirby Smart is Michael. Just think about it. He's Vito, right? And Kirby Smart is Michael, right? Kirby Smart is trying to do it with the same foundation, but he's trying to make it global. Right. He's trying to, you know, take it to Vegas. Right. And run the casinos instead of being partners with casinos. Right. And he's starting to influence, have greater influence politically. Right. He's trying to set it up since he missed his chance to go ahead and get into politics like his dad wanted him to get in politics. He's trying to lay that foundation for his son. And that was the big thing about him having a son. It is, yo. Nick Saban brought Midwest-minded football to the talent in the South and created something that is beautiful. Now, let me tell you this. Dabo is off the Nick Saban tree. Let me tell you the difference between Nick Saban and Dabo. Because Dabo was up for consideration at Clemson. But I think the last few years have kind of like, said, no, that culture is not as good as we thought. It's being tested, and they really failed the test a couple of times. Dabo refuses in his stubbornness to change with the times. And because he refuses to change with the times and says, I won championships this way, I'm not changing. This works for me. That's fine. That's admirable, Dabo. Stand 10 toes down and watch your program slowly decline. Because the same thing multiple times faced Nick Saban. Nick Saban loved having thumpers and game managers at quarterback. He got tired of teams every now and then. It wasn't even like it was consistently. But every now and then when he did lose in conference or out of conference, it was offenses that could spread his bigger players out and take advantage of them on the perimeter. So what did he do? He went and got smaller, faster linebackers instead of the thumpers. And then what did he do? He evolved his offense and went and got the Julio Joneses, the Devontae Smiths, the Henry Ruggses. That's what he went and did. 
he evolved as a coach. Didn't I'm sure he didn't like it. I'm sure when they were doing that to him, beating him with small ball, I'm sure he was like, this isn't football. What is this? Line up, take me on like a man. It's kind of like what George Foreman felt at the Rumble in the Jungle. He wanted Muhammad Ali, man, come on, come straight forward. Take me on like a man. Muhammad Ali was like, no, nah, man, I'm playing to my strengths. My speed, my foot speed, my hand speed, my quickness, and my endurance. I'm going to take you out into deep water, my man, and see if you can live out there. He couldn't do it. He was tested. He couldn't do it. Alabama is so great is because they've they've with the Alabama culture withstood test after test after test. And even in his most difficult year of coaching, in his own words, this dude still almost got it done. He was four minutes. Nick Saban was four minutes with Jalen Milrow as his quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Saban was four minutes with that horrible offensive line. Nick Saban was four minutes away from beating Michigan. He just couldn't pass that last test. The culture he created just didn't have enough to pass that last exam as he walked out the door. But even in that, you have to take a step back as a college football fan and say, yo, that's fantastic, yo. That's great culture. That's absolutely great culture. The second best culture in college football right now, Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. As I said before, I'm very interested in seeing what Kirby can do. This is something Notre Dame has to learn. And this will point to one. I'm sure as soon as I say this, you guys will point to one game from the 20, 2023 season. Was that 2018 where Georgia met Alabama in the championship game? Thoroughly outplayed Alabama for three quarters. Missed opportunities. Should have been blowing Bama out in that championship game. That's how badly they outplayed Bama. Missed opportunities possibly because they had a freshman quarterback that was a game manager and Jake Fromm. They get to overtime. They make the field goal. They sack Tua. Now it's third and long. And for some odd reason, in that moment, their culture failed because of execution and mental aptitude. That was a moment. The moment was set up for them perfectly, and they failed, giving up a big pass. How in the world in that situation do the safeties allow anyone to get behind them? Culture. Your culture has to be tested. And as devastating as that loss had to be for Kirby Smart in Georgia, they have come to a place and grown their culture to a point where now their culture gets tested. It was tested by Ohio State, right? They won. It was tested by Alabama the previous year in the SEC championship game. And when they got an opportunity to test it against them again, they came through. But when did they come through, ladies and gentlemen? Championship game, they beat Bama in the fourth quarter. Ohio State the following year, they beat Ohio State after being outplayed. 
for the majority of that game in the fourth quarter. Where did Alabama beat them in SEC championship this year? Alabama beat them in the fourth quarter. Ladies and gentlemen, great teams, great cultures in college football always win the fourth quarter. You have to win the fourth quarter as a championship team. You have to. Michigan beat Alabama in the fourth quarter in the semifinal. They closed Washington out in the fourth quarter. Tie game against Ohio State. What do they do after they lose? Their best offensive lineman is into. They rally and they dominate Ohio State for the rest of the fourth quarter. That's when your culture comes alive. That's when culture shows up more than any other time in a football game. That moment when the test rises up, the culture rises up. That's why Alabama and Georgia are successful. Yeah, they walk out on the field the majority of the time and out-talent everybody. But the moments when they're facing other good teams, other great teams, and it gets tight, the culture comes to the forefront. Ladies and gentlemen, is that not the next step for Notre Dame? That's the next step for Notre Dame. That's it. Notre Dame got lucky against Duke. Let's be honest. They got lucky. They thoroughly outplayed Duke. They should have been up by 20 points on Duke. Missed opportunities, right? But let's be honest, missed opportunities offensively have been the Notre Dame culture the first two seasons under Marcus Freeman. That's been the culture. You say, well, Sean, why do you say that? Because that's been the outlook. That's the outcome. I can only judge the culture by the results. Those are the results. So that's within the culture. There were still improvements offensively from 2022 to 2023 but that culture or that within the culture needs to change doesn't mean there's something wrong with the culture it means that there are improvements that must take place because the testings when you fail show you what needs to improve within your culture so georgia is the number two culture and hopefully, is Mike Denbrock an answer to those offensive failures? I believe so. Many of you believe so. We have to wait and see. Do we feel like Riley Leonard is an answer to that testing, to those failures? I believe so. Many of you believe so. We have to wait and see. It's not going to be a lot of testing in the regular season. Look at the schedule. It's not a lot to test whether or not that next step has been made. Really not. We might just have to wait for that playoff game, that moment in that playoff game. You still might get a moment here or there in a game against Florida State in November, maybe ending the season in a big moment, needing a win on the road against USC to get into the playoffs or solidify that number five seed to make sure that you get a lesser opponent and set your path up. Yeah, those type of tests, road tests, revenge, Louisville at home, you can consider that. Maybe Purdue, an improved Purdue team. Maybe they end up testing Notre Dame in a certain way. Maybe they do. 
But those tests are going to come. But the ultimate test for this team is going to be facing someone in the playoff that's just as good as you. Coaching staff is going to be tested. These players are going to be tested. And Howard Griffith said in the new era of playoffs, logistics, buy-in, resources, getting teams back and forth with the schedule, making sure that they have equipment on site to be able to properly recover. All of everybody has to be pulling on the rope together in this new era of college football playoff. And honestly, the breadcrumbs are there to stay with the transition with Jack Swarbrick and Pete Bavacqua, because I just don't want to give all the credit to Pete Bavacqua. And honestly, I think Jack Swarbrick has relented on some things that might not foundationally be within what he believes or what he feels like the culture should be. But he understands, I do want Notre Dame to be put in the best position to win. I never, I will never say that Jack Swarbrick does not want to win. I think when you look at the totality of Notre Dame athletics, there's plenty of proof that Jack Swarbrick wants to win. His coaching hires, the way he delegates, the way he's run the athletic program, the national championships and other sports, the elevation of other sports and how they've improved, the consistency. He showed, yo, I can run an athletic program at a place like Notre Dame and be successful, not just in one or two sports, but in a lot of sports. That's a difficult task. He was successful and make Notre Dame and keep Notre Dame at the table when it comes to gatekeepers in college football. He did that. He set his predecessor, Pete Bavacqua, up nicely. So the overarching culture is fantastic. It's a great job. But you can have, look, what are you going to do with the culture? Now, that is where I will push back just a little bit on Jack Swarbrick. Because I know and I feel he wanted to win. Did he do everything within his power to assure the best chance to win? That's where the questions come in from the fan base. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Mike Brown, he's an improvement. We've seen that he's an improvement. I've tweeted out yesterday from everything I'm hearing with recruits that were being recruited by the former wide receiver coach that he had to reconnect to and the new offers at wide receiver. Mike Brown, without question, makes a hell of a first impression. It's evident. It's evident. Whether it's former recruits that he might have known or he didn't know or the new offers that he possibly had a relationship with while at Wisconsin or he's just seen the film and said, we need to offer this guy. The one thing that is a continuum from talking to these kids is that Mike Brown makes a hell of an impression initially and bodes well in recruiting doesn't mean a darn thing when it comes to developing players that's what we need to see ladies and gentlemen the sun bowl was a breadcrumb that make us feel like oh the wide receiver core played better hmm was that the mike brown effect ladies and gentlemen we have to see we have to wait and see i'm hearing great things on the recruiting side when it comes to the development side that's something we have to see.
The next thing, the third. Now, this is up for debate because one and two were easy, right? One and two were easy. Alabama, Georgia, right? Clemson was up for it. But I could put Dabo at three because Dabo has been unwilling within his culture to evolve as college football changes. And the way he won championships before, you can't win it that way. You can't win it that way, right? Then I thought about Ohio State. And I started to give the nod to Ohio State as having the third best culture. And I asked myself, was the Urban Meyer era urban or was it Ohio State? That's fair, right? The championships or the championship at Ohio State with Urban Meyer, was it urban or was it Ohio State's culture? Right? Because we saw Urban do the same thing at Florida. Florida's nowhere near the top of my culture list in college football. That's, yo, that's just, that's the Urban Meyer effect, right? You can say that about Nick Saban in Alabama, but I mean, look, Alabama won championship with Gene Stallings. Multiple coaches have won championships at Alabama. Multiple coaches have won championships at Notre Dame. That's why you can never say, oh, it's a Brian Kelly culture. Oh, it's a Marcus Freeman culture. Like, if Marcus Freeman wins the championship this year, there are still players that Brian Kelly recruited. But you can't say that's a Brian Kelly championship. Can't say that. I'm sorry. You can't say that's a Marcus Freeman championship. At the end of the day, that's a Notre Dame championship. And Marcus Freeman is at the head of it with his culture. He was able to do it with his culture in a different way than era. Dan, Lou, New, he did it with his culture, but the Notre Dame culture still exists. The overarching Notre Dame culture. So I thought about Ohio State, and honestly, the Ohio State culture has always been just not good enough. Tons of talent, tons of pros all the time, whether it was Woody, Bruce Earl, Cooper, Urban, Ryan Day. Ohio State's going to produce, I mean, dude, the, the state where they reside produces some of the best prep stars on an annual basis. It's a layup, but I just couldn't put Ohio State at three because outside of Urban Meyer, they come up short. They come up short. That's their culture. With all of that talent, they seem to come up short. Then I thought about Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma. Yo, multiple coaches win championships. What Stoops created and what Lincoln Riley took over and continued when Bob Stoops retired. And even now, Brent Venables is out there. Got them the double-digit wins. Oklahoma's a strong candidate, strong candidate for having the third-best culture in college football. About five years ago, USC would have been an incredible candidate for culture in college football. Incredible. Just couldn't put them at three. Somebody said this in the chat. Texas is on the rise. Texas is on the rise. Absolutely. Is Sark there? Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to go ahead and reluctantly 
say that the Michigan Wolverines right now have the third best culture. And this is why they are important to Notre Dame. One and two, do it with the best of the best. Michigan did it with grit, hard work, and determination and relentlessness. They established a culture. They got tested, smacked in the face by Georgia. They come back. The next test against TCU, smacked in the face again. They come back, go through adversity, you know, cheating, all of that, whatever you want to call it, it's adversity. Everything they dealt with this year, not having their head coach for six games, adversity, going on the road, inconsistent quarterback play, their culture was tested. That program had to be player-driven this year. Had to be. And they got the job done. They got the job done. You have to give credit. So we as Notre Dame fans should be super amped, super amped that Michigan won. And you're like, well, Sean, why would you say that? Why in the world I can't stand Michigan? Right? I got a Muckfish Against t-shirt. I can't stand Michigan. Michigan proved that your culture does not have to look like Alabama. It does not have to look like Georgia. And if you keep working and you stay relentless, you don't need a top 10 recruiting class every year to accomplish your goal. Ladies and gentlemen, for everyone that says Notre Dame will never be able to win because they can't recruit, up to the level of Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Well, how in the world is it that Michigan's culture was able to dominate Ohio State for three consecutive years? Just bully Ohio State and all of its NFL talent for three consecutive years without having top 10 recruiting classes. How? Jim Harbaugh believed in who he was. He believed in his identity, and he was willing to fail. You're not always going to win the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, Michigan's been, Michigan has been in the college football playoffs three consecutive seasons. Three consecutive seasons. They've been in the college football playoffs. Three. It's not like the culture just passed the Ohio State test this year. Michigan has been passing the Ohio State test for three consecutive years. Heck, Jim Harbaugh, his first year in Ann Arbor, almost beat Urban Meyer. Literally, it was an inch. He was an inch away from beating Urban Meyer in Ohio State, at Ohio State, with his culture. Kind of sounds similar to the 2018 championship lost by Georgia. They were that close to beat Nick Saban in Alabama. And after that devastation, a lot of people or a lot of programs and a lot of cultures can go into the tank. That's why you have to salute Jim Harbaugh. You have to salute Michigan. Even when they had a short step back during the pandemic season, other season, and one another, another season, they believed in the culture. I have no doubt that Marcus Freeman believes in his culture. No doubt. No doubt.
You listen to him talk, he reiterates the same things over and over again. He's telling you, this is the way we're going to win at Notre Dame. We have to be tough. We have to execute. We have to stop the run, and we have to be able to run the ball when people don't want us to run the ball. Sounds like Michigan. When everybody knows J.J. McCarthy is trash today. They have no passing game. Michigan lines up when everybody knows the only thing they can do is run the ball, and they find a way to run the ball. That's culture. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com